UCB Life Issues with Paul Hammond. And a very warm welcome to this week's Life Issues. Throughout Advent and Christmas, we have on UCB One had a theme running. A theme based around that message to Isaiah. You shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us, of course. And because at UCB One, our commitment is to build faith for everyday life. Faith that is relevant for a Monday or a manic Wednesday, which will give you some idea of the sort of day that we are recording this on, as well as for a Sunday sitting in church. We wanted to know, what does it mean? The idea of Emmanuel, God with us. What does it mean in our everyday life? What does it mean for your everyday life today? So for Life Issues, we asked two Bible teachers to share their perspective. Last week in the run-up to Christmas, we talked about Emmanuel in terms of the imagery of the Bible, the examples and the themes that give an insight into God's intent and outworking of this enormous concept distilled into a single word. This week, as we look forward into the new year and as we, to quote the poem The Gate of the Year, stand at the gate of a new year and seek a light that will guide us into, well, it does increasingly feel like still an unknown future, doesn't it? We wanted to explore the outworking of that image of Emmanuel for our reality. What does it mean for me in the days to come? What does it promise me when the road is hard? What does it show me about how I can live? And how does God with me challenge and equip my life for everyday life, bringing glory to him? My guest this week to explore that is the rector and senior pastor of St. Silas Episcopal Church. He is the author of Naked God, published by the Good Book Company. And coming from the northeast of England, he's still adapting to the idea of being seen as a southerner because he has moved to Glasgow. He is Martin Ayres. Martin, welcome to Life Issues. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be with you. And uh, you've hit the nail on the head. That's the biggest cultural <laughs> adjustment I have in Scotland is people say things at Christmas like, are you going down south when you get a break? And I don't think I am a southerner, but they do. But yeah, no, thanks, Paul. It's great to be with you. It's all about geography. Let, let's start with the same place I started with John Andrews about this. Um, because the reality of Emmanuel, the idea, the concept, it is a phenomenally vast concept that has been distilled into this one word, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's part of the uh, the joy of the Bible, isn't it? That, um, you know, you can, the, the concept on one level, you know, you can read Matthew chapter one or you can read it to a child uh, and, and see that um, there's, something as simple as in, in this baby being born, God is with us. And there's something anybody could understand about that. And then you grow with the Bible and you read Isaiah and think there is a richness to an understanding of what that meant as the culmination of God's promises in the ages that um, with a lifetime of scholarship, we'd, we'd only be scratching the surface of. So 
um, yeah, this um, uh, tremendous kind of accessibility and yet depth to a mm. concept. And when we you talk, I mean, the you mentioned Matthew there, the angel, of course, affirms to Joseph the imagery from Isaiah and that it's relevant for Jesus and that is this idea of God with us. I, I wonder whether that context of the angelic affirmation was important for Joseph to see the the relevance of the prophecy for the son that was to be born. It's, yeah, obviously, we. It's hard to speculate on, on it, but I think I think the um, there is something in that that um, you've got this Isaiah prophecy um, that certainly, in its very initial formulation, as Isaiah says to God says to the, a king at that time, to King Ahaz, uh, who was king of Judah at that time, the king of God's people, and has. He gets invited to ask for a sign from God to affirm that he should trust his promise. And he he, he refuses to take a sign, which sounds very pious, but it's because Ahaz doesn't trust God. And um, he gets a sign that he didn't ask for. And it's this sign, Emmanuel. And it's the maiden will be with child and and he'll be called Emmanuel. And th- there is an initial fulfillment in that time. I mean, I do, I do read it like that. I do mm. think that you get to the next chapter of Isaiah and a baby is born. Um and so I don't know enough about what someone like Joseph, a, you know, a first century God-fearing Jewish man would have thought of that. But there, with there being the initial fulfillment, they may not have been thinking, oh, we can't wait till Emmanuel is here because they would have seen that as fulfilled in the time. But then within Isaiah also, there's the bit that people might know from Handel's Messiah. There is the Isaiah 9 bit about how there will be a child born unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and this breathtaking promise so that 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 i mean tim kelly uses the phrase about bible prophecy that sometimes it bursts its banks so a bit like if you if you've got a river and the river is so powerfully kind of deluging um the uh, the 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 tributary uh, that's marked out for it that the banks burst the Emmanuel prophecy is a bit like that in Isaiah, that you've got a kind of, you can see something going on at that time, but then it does seem to sort of overflow from that. And you think, no, there must be something deeper here. There must be another person coming, another child um, that will be the Emmanuel child. And so, as you say, you know, amidst what must have been utterly breathtaking for Joseph, I mean, he'd be seeing an angel, um, all that's going on in his life with Mary, uh, you get, an affirmation that he may have been aware was coming, that one day this long-awaited child will come and the government will be on his shoulders and he'll bring ultimately bring peace to the world. It's phenomenal. What it does do, of course, as well, is show the the intent of God that this should be a practical outworked thing. I mean, there is no sense that the idea of Emmanuel should only be, you know, Handel's Messiah should only be sung in church during Advent. It is very much that this this image, both in the time of Isaiah and as a prophecy for what to come, is going to make a massive difference in the reality of people's experience of God in the outward. It It's something to hit the road running. It's something where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you see that in the, the first two examples only that we started talking about. I mean, you've got Ahaz um, at that time, the, ki- the king who first hears an Emmanuel message from a prophet in Isaiah's time. Um, he, you know, Israel is in dire straits and um, they, there's real threat at the time from, th- th- this is the whole, the whole background and setting is that um, there's this question, will the king trust God to deliver God's people from a real enemy? Um, because the northern kingdom and Syria are banding together against uh, Ahaz and his people, and the message is: Will you trust God? Will you will you show obedient trust? Um, and he won't do it. Then you've got Joseph, who's being asked. You know, he's got. You know, Matthew tells us, doesn't he? Joseph, as a God fearing man, has in mind to divorce Mary quietly, and the news from the angel that this baby is from God and is Emmanuel, is God with us involves to trust that message for joseph involves life-changing mm. practical obedience he has to not be afraid to take mary as his wife and in a very costly way he has to be willing to um stand with her and show to the world that he he trusts that god is in this um so i don't yeah i think it's entirely reasonable to to bring that forward to us and think look we can't we can't hear Emmanuel, God with us at Christmas, and go from that unmoved in our lives. Yeah. It's a call to obedient trust that means day by day living as a disciple of this child who became a man who died and rose again and reigns now. But this idea of trust being obedient trust um, that, that is practically outworked. You're listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm talking this week to Martin Ayres. Martin is the rector and senior pastor of St. Silas Episcopal Church in Glasgow. And we're exploring this idea, this enormous idea, this life-changing idea, this life-affirming idea, maybe, of Emmanuel, God with us. How does that unpack for the way that we live our lives? What about you, Martin, on a personal level? What does this mean to you? I, I'm, I'm sure it's meant different things at different times for me. At the moment, the thing that's most special to me about the gift of Emmanuel, of God with us, is that, you know, it's the two sides of the name that's given to Jesus by the angel when he comes to Joseph, of he, he is Jesus who will save his people from their sins, and he is Emmanuel, and it's God with us. And that God our Saviour became a man um, means a great deal to me because um, it's that idea that the the writer to the Hebrews takes up of us having a high priest who knows exactly what it's like to be a human, who is sympathetic, um, who doesn't stand far off, uh, but actually became one of us and we're told, you know, was tempted in every way. So I know he was without sin, but it does encourage me to come to him in my sin and know that um, he he gets what it means to be a human. He he was concerned enough for me and for us that he, he came into our world and lived that life we should have lived. So when I feel um, particularly convicted that I've made a mess again with God and that I am unworthy uh, for him. Um, it, it encourages me not to stay away from him in those moments, that actually those are the very times when I can draw close to God 
because he drew close to us. You know, he 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 is the God who saves us by being one of us. Um, so I, f- I find that enormously encouraging um, that he is gentle and lowly in heart and we can we can run to him. Um, there's a phrase that I got from this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, not too long ago that stuck with me of that I think the temptation, and maybe this is, uh, you know, a, a, the devil is in this really, the temptation in our sin is to think I can't approach God because he'll be angry with me right now. But knowing that he is Emmanuel uh, reassures me that at the times when I am most aware of my sin, those aren't the times to run away because he's angry. They are to the times to run to him because he is compassionate. He's sympathetic. And that has a lot of implications, doesn't it then? Uh, Because if, the idea of Emmanuel, the concept of God not only becoming flesh, but God with us in our flesh and walking alongside us in our every moment. That 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 grace, that that willingness to engage with us and be a part of our lives, to the patience to tolerate us, the the the, the gentleness to to put up with our mess that is a well i want to say it's an incredible gift but it's more than that it it is just a a sea change in how so many of us see the reality of our lives because most of us would probably see our lives as being something that's that's muddling through just getting by barely coping with all that's gone on and we kind of yell to gods when we are really really at our wits end and he may or may not come and 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 help us out but actually the image you offer is he doesn't need to come and help us out he's already there Well, that ties it in as well, Paul, with it. I think it is striking that Matthew's gospel starts with, I mean, you've got the family tree, but then you, then you have um, the, the, the God is coming, God with us of Emmanuel in chapter one. But it, it the whole gospel ends with Jesus risen, ascending, saying to his followers, I'm with you always to the mm. end of the age. Now, I think there is a context of that to that that we, we, you know, we may talk about shortly as well of, you know, he says that in the context of giving us a job to do and getting out on mission. But there is also just the uh, phenomenal um, reassurance in that, that actually the the one to whom God has given all authority in heaven and earth is saying, I'm always with you till I return in glory and every eye sees me. I am with you. Um, and, you know, is it promise in the upper room to the disciples that he, when we come to him, he makes his home in us. Um, so, yeah, he, he he's not a God who stands far off. The Emmanuel, um, you, we can see the Emmanuel on one level as, yeah, well, he was that person in history and then he left. But I think by the end of Man- Matthew's Gospel, we're, we're not just to see that. At the same time, we're to see that he is still with us by his spirit. There is a a reality to that. Um, and it makes sense, doesn't it, of uh, those promises of God's presence with us in the Psalms. So it's Psalm 23. I always find it striking. You've got David saying, the Lord's my shepherd. And he speaks about the sh- um, the Lord as his shepherd in the third person. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. His goodness restores my soul. 
But then when he gets to the difficult bit, when he talks about the struggle and the suffering, the valley, being in the valley, it changes from the third person to the second person. So mm. he says, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, mm. your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I, I don't know how legitimate this is, but I see that as the, the God he's speaking of has drawn right alongside him in the valley. And um, I think J Jesus being the Emmanuel proves that for us in human history, that God is the God like that, that the character of God is to draw alongside us in our weakness. But, and and in that, if I can just cycle back to the point that you made when we started talking about how, what it means to you personally, I mean, the idea of God being with us, you know, even in our sin, even in our failing, even in our falling short, even in our, our messing up, I mean, that we we know that there's an image in scripture and there's a at the heart of of what we believe about Jesus is the image of God's grace but the idea that God walks with me and continues to walk with me even when I am trying to push him away because he is Emmanuel the idea that God walks with me even when I am totally lost in my way and and perhaps even when I'm a prodigal sitting under the tree eating the acorns because it's it's all gone totally um, pear-shaped the idea that and I come back to my, my point again how should it affect our lives the idea that God is not somewhere over there we yell to him and he pops over to help us how should this concept of Emmanuel how should it change the way we view our Monday mornings our Wednesday afternoons when the to-do list is far too long our Sundays when we're in church there's just all kinds of things we could say there isn't there but one thing is I think Maybe it brings a new dimension to the idea of, of practicing the presence of God. So um, I've heard people, you know, have read things about practicing the presence of God that can become quite mystical. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not kind of speaking about that or rubbishing that or, or talking it down. Um, but there is, there is something, isn't there, in terms of, as you've described, the kind of manic Wednesdays or the kind of um, stress of a Monday, that sense of thinking, God is with me in this. Um, my life is not just about waiting another six days to be at church and enjoy a worship session or hear a good sermon or have some prayer ministry, receive some prayer ministry, uh, but actually to, is there something about us needing to practice the presence of God in the dignity of what he's calling me to do when that's, I don't know, handling Monday morning traffic or, cramming myself onto a tube train to get to work or um yeah something that I wasn't expecting coming up to my desk at work on a on a Tuesday lunchtime or uh, you know in all the things that we plan to do day by day and the things that we don't even expect um is there something about practicing the presence of God so remembering Jesus is right with me in this um he experienced the dignity but he gives dignity to the muck of everyday life, we could say, and the messiness. And we can, uh, we, we can, we can kind of appropriate that. We can sort of try and be a bit more conscious that he is with us uh, in the midst of that. Um, I remember a friend, the time where we we still we've got three kids. Uh, the time when that we've gone through the 
the nappy stage with each of them. And you you have days where what you plan to do <laughs> is is written off by yeah. being up, you know, in the middle of the night with one kid who's had a nightmare and another kid who needs a nappy change and things. And my friend just provoking me to ask myself, what what is God calling me to do today? What is he so remembering that the fact that the fact that my plans for a kind of nice coffee in Costa or wherever with the Bible open or reading that book that I really want to get to have been completely shipwrecked by this baby that won't stop crying. That that shipwrecked my plans, but it was actually God's plan yeah, for my day. Yes, yeah. So what's he calling me to? And what does it look like to do that with him? How would he want me to respond to this? What I see as a setback, but for him, it's just part of the day he'd ordained for me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the idea that God dignifies the muck of our lives may well be the quote from this week's podcast. I mean, that has a lot of implications, yeah. doesn't it? Because one of the things that it implies is that there is real comfort for us, not just fleeting emotion. Perhaps we could we could just unpack that thought for a moment, that the, the sort of pastoral reassurance of what it means that God is alongside us in our questions, our doubts, our fears, those sorts of elements, as well as the practical elements of life. What do you think about that? Um, I think I think that probably connects, Paul, to just to how when we see God act in history, it reveals his character. So there'd be there'd be a way to take the Emmanuel promise and hear that God is alongside us and with us and then ascribe to that um, a sentimentalism, a kind of, oh, well, my idea of God, how I like to think of God, a God that, that kind of God is with me uh, and, and I can sort of um, build a picture of that and find that therapeutic. Um, whereas when we think, well, this reveals the character of God to us, this act of God coming to be with us reveals his character. Um, I think that's where the, there's even, there is a deeper comfort in that. The God who is not just a bigger version of me, the God who is transcendent beyond my understanding. Um, he, the, the one who, you know, I was struck yesterday in the news, just to give, sorry, a slight digression, but, you know, they had this news about how they've, they think they've spotted a planet in a different galaxy for the first time. And they, they showed these pictures of this um, star that they think this planet is part is connected with. And this star has got this massive bit of gas coming off it into a black hole. And it just is absolutely immense to see. So the God who is transcendent enough to have made the stars um, has come to be with us. So, we hit difficulties in our lives. We hit suffering, and we we ask, "Is God really? Um, does God really care about this?" And then we see a God who cared enough to become a man, who in the next chapter of Matthew became a refugee, um, and you know had to do the flight to Egypt. Um, so. We don't, we, when, we, when we're confronted with difficulty and suffering, 
Um, we ask all kinds of questions about why this has happened. Um, and we don't necessarily get the answers to those specific questions, but we know what the answer can't be on why has this happened. The answer could never be God doesn't care yeah. because he's shown that he cares in the incarnation. He's shown that he cares in proving that he's a God who is right there with us as well as a God who is far off. So I think it's that thing of it becomes even more comforting when we let God be the God of Emmanuel and see that he, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't in any way taint his holiness. Um, and in a way we can't get our heads around, he was concerned enough to come in and save us by being one of us. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It really is. And, and when you start to unpick it and you th- you look at your everyday life, the I suppose there's an element of challenge in that as well, though isn't there? In, in the, the idea that God being with us, I mean, what I reach out my hand to do, the idea that I take his hand with me because he dwells in me, the, uh, what I, I open my mouth to say, the, uh, the idea that I am saying it not just in his presence, but I'm actually saying it with him. I mean, that, that's a phenomenal challenge for, for how I look at the, the privilege of my life and how I look at the development of my behavior, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Paul. Yeah, I mean, that really reminds me of something I was reading last week. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount as a church at the moment, and I read something by Martin Lloyd-Jones, actually, had written uh, just about um, how sobering that is to think each mo- if the overriding thought we had as Christians each morning was, God is with me today. He's with me in my interactions with other people when they are there. And he's with me on my own uh, when no one's there. Uh, it would make quite an impact, I think, on our lives to make that a more conscious thought. Um, the, the two sides to that that jump out in my mind just within the scriptures are the one I just we've already touched on. But it is striking that when Jesus says, surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, at the end of Matthew's gospel, there is deep encouragement in that, but it's encouragement with a mission. It's therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So the call to radical discipleship, um, including disciple making, um, comes alongside this assurance that Jesus is with us in that. So there is something deeply challenging about the Emmanuel promise Um, Alongside that, it's good to remember that for Ahaz, uh, back in Isaiah, in the initial context of an Emmanuel prophecy, Emmanuel was bad news. If you're not someone who who is willing to trust God, if we we turn from that and we, we decide we're not willing to trust God's word and take him at his word, then Emmanuel at that time for Ahaz was a, a, a word of, of actually of judgment. Mm. Um, and it's only it's only then later in Isaiah, in chapter 9, that you get this, no, but there will be a child born who will be good news and will come and save us. And certainly when Jesus comes in Matthew 1, we're told, well, this Emmanuel has come to save his people from their sins. So he's, he's God come to save us. But nonetheless, the, the Ahaz story is the Ahaz events are a a cautionary tale for us that you can't remain indifferent to this one who has come 
this Emmanuel. You, your response to him really matters uh, because he is a holy God who has come to, to be with us and um, c- commands our allegiance. So he invites us graciously to trust him, uh, but there is something very challenging about that. And yet not challenging in a condemnatory way, because it'd be very easy to take what we are saying here, and this idea, you know, that God is walking alongside me. I, I, I remember hearing Frank Skinner talk about his faith and how um, when people started talking about the rise in the number of, of security cameras that there were around CCTV, he thought, well, that's not a problem because God's been watching me all my life. I've been living with this idea that somebody's watching me all my life. But I mean, he's not watching us in some sort of big brother ready to judge ready to condemn way it is very much about watching walking alongside us a a relational presence isn't it that's right again that this is really striking paul because uh, i don't know what god's doing with me what what he's teaching me in this because it's coming up again and again but because i'm looking at the sermon on the mount at the moment i just think it's striking that jesus when he's teaching his disciples not to be hypocrites he doesn't, in Matthew chapter 6, keep saying, stop pretending to be someone else because God is watching you and he will catch you out. What he says instead is, if you do things in front of other people for their praise, that's your reward in full. But if you do them um, for, for God, you know, then he says that then he says three times, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus invites us there to have a picture of God with us, well, God the Father watching us there, the presence of God with us, certainly not as the big brother who wants to catch us out and condemn us, rather as like the Father who is rooting for us Mm. and pleased with us. He's always pleased with us in Christ in one sense. When we are trusted in Christ, our status before God remains unchanged even as we fall because we're falling, you know, we've got sin in our hearts every minute of every day. But something about him being able to watch, and he's rooting for us. Um, he's longing for us to do things for him, uh, and he's looking to reward us for that. He's looking for things that he can uh, give account for when he when we stand before him face to face, and he can say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." That there will be credit he can give to our account. So I, I love that picture of Jesus saying, "Well." Which reward will you do things for? The reward of other people, well, you know, you can do that, uh, but then you get your reward in full from them. But what about the reward of your father who sees what's done in secret? Much more positive view of 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 the uh, the presence of God. It doesn't take away. I mean, he is watching us. Yes, uh, but not to see not to see that as something to be frightened of, um, or yeah, and it it's really interesting that isn't it Paul because the the big brother thing it just shows how how easy it is for us to yeah to get to get a view of God that's just this just doesn't reflect the balance of scripture to see him as the I remember when I went for my driving test when I was 17 and on the morning of my test my instructor said to me just you have to remember the examiner is looking to fail you he's looking to fail you But it wasn't very reassuring. <laughs> but just that sense of, you know, if you, yeah, but there was something about that, you know, that mm. just having to keep in mind that 
they're looking for you to make the major fault that means they fail you and to see that actually when we, when we've come to god in christ he he never looks at us like that um our status is secure before him but rather he's a father looking to reward you yes yes it's quite a different way of thinking about uh, what we do with our lives and i suppose it does have an implication that as well i mean one of the big struggles that people have in this day and age is the idea of isolation we were told we live in an increasingly isolated world that social media and working from home and so on has, has pushed us further and further away from each other and certainly for a lot of older people there is a fear of an awareness of loneliness and isolation i suppose that this image of God not walking alongside us, not as as a uh, as a, a big brother looking to fail us, but more as a as a big brother looking to encourage us to to get things right and to give us a, a leg up and to help us along the way and to to be a cheerleader for us and a and a friend with us. That's an important image for that current age problem, isn't it? Yeah. That's very, it's very striking, that, isn't it? That I think it's three years ago that we had our first government minister for loneliness. And that was before what we've been through with COVID and how isolated people were in that. Um, and we had a lady in our church who uh, lived alone and um, she uh, her Christmas letter uh, last Christmas uh, was all in that context, actually, of it was, uh, just a, a moment on the story, Paul, because it was an amazing thing for us as a church that we, um, uh, prompted by uh, uh, an organisation, Faith in Kids, that that help churches think about children's ministry and doing that well, um, with so much closed down last Christmas, which is often a time when we would hope to have a lot of guests in church, they um, uh, talked about uh, a nativity trail and so we put one on in Glasgow where we are. Um, there's a park right opposite the church. And um, we, we, we put, we advertise this nativity trail and we put um, different people from the church family as actors around the park um, uh, being different characters from the nativity. And children arrived and they were sent on a trail by the centurion who was saying, I've got this um, Isaiah prophecy about a baby being born who's Emmanuel. Can you come and help me find out what it means? And the children were sent off. So we had, over the course of the day, um, somewhere near 150 children, um, which is many more children than we have at, ch at, at our church normally, going through the park, uh, meeting the different characters from the nativity. And then at the end, they met Joseph, who talked to them about Emmanuel. And, you know, we... we that, that was very profound, particularly last year, when so many people were feeling the isolation from wider family and friends with the lockdowns we've had and social distancing. And um, a lady in our church wrote in her Christmas letter to people just saying, they just could there, even, could there ever have been a more pertinent name or word for our times mm. at the moment than Emmanuel? Mm. But actually, uh, we have a God who... Um, is is right there with us even when nobody else is even when we feel uh, desperate for human company um uh, no virus can keep him away and uh, th there's just something immensely significant about that that um 
it would be wonderful, wouldn't it, for more people to discover? <laughs> Don't be long that. Uh, I mean, it's it's in a way, it's so sad to think more people are not aware of that. Uh, that this is God's heart and God's action in history, and uh, it's up to any of us simply to um, to turn to Him and receive that blessing. Which leads us nicely, I suppose, into something you've alluded to already, but that is a an essential element of this. Emmanuel, God with us, lo, I am with you always at the end of the earth, that there is this, not just a mission call that you've talked about before, but there is also a confidence that we can take here. I mean, if God is with us, when we walk into a situation of sharing our faith, which, let's be honest, usually scares the living daylights out of your average Christian, the idea that I'll have to open my mouth and tell somebody about my faith. You know, the idea that God is with us, that he dwells in us, you know, the idea the Holy Spirit makes his home in us as we walk into those situations. Again, it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Totally, Paul. I mean, I just, I just wish I remembered that at the key moments because, I mean, I, I don't see myself as finding this easy. Um, but there is something I need. We, we just need to take on board about that, don't we? And I'm sure, you know, some of your hearers will have done uh, more than me. But you know, I think of mates at the school gate um, whose children are, are at school with my kids, and those are the guys maybe I'm, I'm getting to know best locally, and I, I'd love them to uh well i'd love them to know christ i'd love them to be more interested and i go into conversations with them um and just think oh this is impossible this is just they're just not going to be interested and i mean what a difference what a game changer to remember well it's not down to me you know yet yes if it was just me and you know this guy steve um talking about Jesus, I'm not going to get very far. But it's not just me and him. Uh, Jesus is with me in that. And I mean, Tim Chester makes this point in one of his books that he, he says, if you want to experience the spirit at work, try doing something for God that you couldn't do in your own strength <laughs> and pray the spirit will do it. You know, that, that that's where we could say, wow, you know, that there's no way that was me. The spirit did that. And maybe we need to think a little bit more like that when it comes to just um, sharing with a friend that you're a Christian or looking to serve a friend, uh, looking to love and serve them and invest in their lives in a, in a helpful way. Um, and particularly to, to ask them, well, what do you think about Jesus? Or, you know, would you like to open the Bible with me? Or are you interested in coming to church? That those conversations, I think we, if we're defeatist about it, We've probably lost before we start um, and remembering Emmanuel, that God is with us in that, that he, he is the God who saves and who saves by being with us um, is an immense encouragement in that. What's he already doing in my friends' lives um, that makes this conversation significant for them? Has he already been preparing them for this conversation? Uh, so it's a, it's a big confidence builder, I think, mm. that we all too easily forget. So a final question then, if I may, and maybe a final thought to to wrap all this together, because accepting the truth of the prophecy that 
and indeed the promise that Jesus gave that he is with us always. Accepting the the truth of the idea that God is Emmanuel, God with us. Accepting the truth of the promise that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So he's not just walking alongside us, but he's actually dwelling in the reality of our living experience. How do we access that as we go forward into the days, the months, the years that lie ahead? How do we access that in a practical reality for our loneliness, for our confidence in telling people about faith, for our challenge for how we live our life, for our understanding of comfort when things are hard? How do we, is it simply that we take time to remember it because that seems awful easy to be honest with you martin that's i think that's a big question and might be quite person specific but um in one sense appropriating that probably there's probably a number of gifts in that isn't there there are means of grace god gives us in that so um I don't think it's less than remembering it. Uh, I think it's striking when you read the Bible that there is this ministry of reminder. You know, when you look at 2 Peter 3, Peter's written this epistle that is God's word, but he says at the end he's been writing to remind people. And you think, oh, so he's actually only writing to tell people what they already knew. So there is a ministry of remembering and a ministry of reminding, but the means of grace God gives us help us with that. So I think one thing that would help me more with this Emmanuel coming into next year is probably is getting a bit better at um, framing my language to other people um, with that awareness that God is with me. So rather than saying, I read something encouraging in my Bible this morning and saying, you know, God showed me something this morning in the Bible or, um, in the midst of a, you know, supposing something happens in my day that that irritates me, uh, more consciously thinking, well, hang on, what if God is with me in this? What, what, what is, what does God want me to do with that? What, what is God teaching me in that? There's the the means of grace of one another. So, um, meeting with one another is one of the ways that God uses to remind us of his presence with us um you know in terms of church is one of the things that we missed out on with lockdown church and not being able to meet um it's something to remember through communion isn't it when we when we're at church um having the lord's supper there is that opportunity to be reminded that um jesus has communion with us he has fellowship with us day by day but i think I, th- I don't think it is less than just remembering it because um, I-, I remember a friend saying to me that if something encouraged him uh, about the Lord, he would sometimes set his calendar, his electronic calendar, um, to pop up a reminder of it later in the week at a random moment so that um, as he's working away later, instead of it just being meetings that popped up as reminders, <laughs> something about God, whether it was mm-hmm. a Bible verse or a truth, Maybe sometimes, I, I mean, that wouldn't be for everyone, but it might be for one or two of us a chance, a way of, of just bedding this in to think, well, no, God is with me in this. And the way that we pray, 
So I have a prayer each morning, I have a number of set prayers, as well as just trying to pray as I feel led. And one of them is, um, Lord, please help me to serve you today in all the things I plan to do and the tasks that you send that I least expect and help me to serve people with love and humility. So that's a prayer from a guy, Peter Adam in Australia. But that that picture of the tasks that you send that I don't expect reminds me um, that whatever happens to me today, um, there might be a lot, there's always things that I don't expect, um, but but God is with me in them. So that, yeah, th- there's ways that I think we can bed this into our day-to-day lives. By being intentional about it and remembering mm, and acknowledging and picking up as often as we can this thought that Emmanuel, God, is with us. I started the beginning of this conversation by quoting a poem. It's well known by Minnie Louise Haskins. It says, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Emmanuel, God with you. Whatever these days will bring, wherever you will find yourself, whatever opportunities you create or are unexpectedly presented to you, whatever challenges you face, whatever moments of development in your life you have to do battle with. Emmanuel, God is with us, not just for Christmas, but for our everyday life. My guest today to reflect on this is Martin Ayres. You can still check out his book, Naked God. It's available online and in good Christian bookshops. He is the rector and senior pastor at St. Silas Episcopal Church in Glasgow. Martin, great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Great to see you. You've been listening to UCB Life Issues. Don't forget other Life Issues podcasts are available through the UCB Player app. I'm Paul Hammond. Why not join me next week for another Life Issues? Ta-da!